let's uh, bow our heads and pray. Father in heaven, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And we ask now as we turn our attention to it that you would instruct us, that you would uh, encourage us, that you would sanctify us. Lord, we ask uh, as the uh, psalmist writes that we would behold beautiful and wondrous things from your word this morning. We pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. You can take your seats. Uh, and I would invite you to uh, turn uh, in your Bibles to John chapter 13. We're going to be looking this morning at uh, verses 1 to 17. John chapter 13, 1 to 17. When uh, men and women are in their final hours of life, when they uh, realize perhaps they have days left or hours or minutes, perhaps they find out through a diagnosis at the doctor's office, or perhaps they find out being rushed to the hospital that their life is about to end. The things that they often say and do in those final hours are deeply revealing of the things that they believe and the things that they feel the most. That there is not phoniness in people's last minutes of life. Gandhi, the Hindu religious leader, he confessed this when he found out that uh, he was going to die soon. He said, my days are numbered and I am not likely to live very long, perhaps a year or a little more. For the first time in 50 years, I find myself in a slew of despond. Gandhi was depressed. The realization that he was going to die wasn't one filled with hope and excitement. It was filled with despair Napoleon, the French revolutionist, he said this when he realized he was going to die. He said, I die before my time and my body will be given back to earth to become the food of worms. Such is the fate that awaits the great Napoleon. Napoleon, again, was so upset at the fact that he was going to die and all that he had to hope for was the worms that were going to eat his body. Famous atheist Christopher Hitchens uh, died over 10 years ago, dying of cancer on his deathbed, unable to even speak with strength. He motions for a pen and a paper, and he scribbles out three words, and the three words say this. What's the use? A man dying, depressed, and despairing over the end of his life. This morning we look at John chapter 13, and it's Jesus' final hours. It begins in a room, an upper room, in a house in Jerusalem. It is the night before Passover, and Jesus is well aware of what's going to unfold that evening and into the next day. That later that night, as they have dinner, one of his disciples is going to leave early on a mission to betray him. Then the 11 disciples that are remaining with him are going to follow him and go to the Garden of Gethsemane in which they will see Jesus taken by force and they will be scattered. A night that started off so well turns into a nightmare journey of a night. Jesus is then taken to the deposed high priest, Ananus, and then Ananus sends Jesus to the high priest, Caiaphas, and then Caiaphas sends Jesus to the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, and then Pontius Pilate sends Jesus to King Herod. King Herod sends Jesus back 
to Pontius Pilate, in which Pontius Pilate sentences Jesus to a Roman flogging. And after that, they make Jesus carry a cross up the hill of Calvary, in which they will lay his body, bloodied and bruised, and nail him to a cross, and he will die. And it's on this evening, they gather for dinner, Jesus knowing 24 hours from this moment that his lifeless body will be laid in a tomb, he gathers his closest men, the men that have been with him for his earthly ministry, his closest companions, and he wants to tell him his final words. He wants them to know that he loves them, that that is what we are going to see out of John chapter 13 today. But if we walk away today, what is the point? That Jesus loves his own. There is no doubt that Jesus loves his own. And we're going to read our text now, and we are going to begin to see how this evening begins. So I hope you have a copy of God's word and you can follow along. John chapter 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover... When Jesus knew that his final hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That is why he said, not all of you are clean. And when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also Ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, in John's Gospel, Uh, we find out why he writes it at the end of it. In John chapter 20, verse 31, John writes why he writes his gospel. He says, but these are written 
so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you have life in his name. Everything that John is recording is so that we can have confidence in Jesus as Messiah, as Lord, and as Savior. And John is typically divided up into two sections, the first part being chapters 1 to 12, which is often referred to as the book of signs. And John writes 1 to 12 with the emphasis on Jesus' divinity as God's Son and as Messiah. And we see that through the the various miracles that uh, Jesus performs. And then the latter section, sections 13 to 21, which we just began to read, is often referred to as the book of glory or the, the book of passions, where the first part of John looks at the outward ministry of Christ, very much like the uh, other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Long, looking in at Jesus and uh, what's happening on the outward. John, as you journey through it, begins to give us a unique perspective about Jesus. As Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke give us the outside perspective, John gives us the inside perspective. We begin to get a glimpse into what's going on in the mind and the heart of Jesus. Puritan pastor Thomas Goodwin called chapters 13 to 17 a window into Christ's heart. And it's in this window that this morning we are going to gaze and we are going to see the full extent of Christ's love for his disciples. Some of us have come in this morning and we are in a season of life where we're doubting God's love. We're doubting God's heart for us. Some of us have come in here, in fact, we don't think God loves us. He's angry with us. Some of us have come in here with all sorts of thoughts and feelings about the love of God. And this morning, we are going to gaze through this window into Christ's heart and see clearly the love that Christ has for his own. And we're going to see the first thing is in verse 1 to 5. Christ loves his own, see his humility. See his humility. If we see in verse one, it says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who are in the world, he loved them to the end. What John is saying when he says that Jesus loved them to the end is that he loved them to the fullest extent, to the uttermost, as much as he could. In fact, this preface is setting up for what is about to follow because if we miss verse 1, we will fail to understand everything else that is about to happen. And Jesus is in this room with his 12 disciples, the disciples that were there when he multiplied the bread and the fish, the disciples that were there when he was walking on the water, the disciples that were there when he healed the blind and the sick and the leprous. And Jesus begins to do something mind-blowing. We read in verse 2, During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. Jesus gets up and he takes his outer garments off and he begins to tie a towel around his waist. 
We know in Luke chapter 22 that on this very evening, at this meal, at one point, we don't know for certain when it happened, that the disciples began to argue with themselves. And they began to argue with themselves about who was the greatest. And we learn at the end of that section that Jesus rebukes them and says, I'm among you as one who serves. And we can't be sure when Jesus begins to get up from dinner, but perhaps right after this exchange, Jesus rises from his seat. And he begins to take his clothes off and bind this towel around his waist. The foot washing is kind of lost on us a little bit. Some of us, we read this and we're like, that's kind of gross. And we can kind of see the lowliness and the humility in washing feet, but we also can miss it because we don't do that in our culture. In fact, as I was trying to rattle my brain, I, I couldn't think of something that we do that would correlate with the foot washing. Foot washing was reserved for slaves. In fact, in the Jewish culture, it was such a lowly thing to wash someone's feet that Jews that owned other Jews for slaves wouldn't subject their Jewish slaves to foot washing. It was exclusively done for the Gentile slaves. It was the lowliest of lows that the disciples wouldn't even think to consider washing each other's feet. And from what we can gather, this was a private gathering. There was Jesus and his 12. There was no one serving on them. There was no house servants. It was just them. And we learn two very uh, important things before Jesus rises from supper. Did you catch it? In verse 1, it says, When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world. And then we see in verse 3, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. It's with this context that John wants us to see what is about to happen. Jesus knowing, excuse me, Jesus knowing that he was about to be crucified the next day. Jesus knowing that one of the 12 was going to betray him. Jesus knowing that he was going to be crucified the next day. Jesus, knowing also that all authority on heaven and earth has been given to him, the one who placed the stars in the sky and knew their names, the one who at that very moment was deserving of all worship, all praise, all honor, all glory. What does he do? He rose from supper and he lays aside his outer garments. Can you imagine the disciples, them seeing what is happening before them? Being in that room, probably the only thing to break the shock in the silence was the water hitting the basin. The Son of God, the one who created all things, gets down on his knees and begins to wash his created, his creation. And not just creation, but sinful men. In fact, what we see in John chapter 13 in the foot washing, the Apostle Paul writes about in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 talks about how Christ emptied himself. That he emptied himself. And there's been Uh, very uh, much debate about what does that mean that Christ emptied himself, that in the form of God, taking upon the form of a servant, he emptied himself. 
And many people have debated, scholars have debated, what does it mean that Christ emptied himself? Did he empty himself of his deity? Did he seize being God as he was a man? Did he seize uh, having all authority and all power? And what we learn is, no, he does not cease to be God. He does not cease uh, to have all authority over heaven and earth. That's what John wants us to get. It's so clear. He doesn't set aside his deity. He sets aside his dignity. And as we look at this passage and we see the humility of Christ, what makes this so amazing is the fact that he doesn't set aside his deity. See, if this was... Uh, Jesus setting aside his deity and he was just a good man and he was just a man washing uh, fellow men's feet. It would be a humble thing. If one of the disciples got up and washed the feet of other disciples, it would be a humble thing. But the fact that Jesus gets up and he washes his disciples' feet, not as an equal, but as the creator of the universe, we begin to marvel at the humility we begin to marvel at the humility of Jesus. What is happening? We learn also that what's going on is not just about humility. We learn that what is happening here is more than just a foot washing. This isn't Jesus just cleaning dirty feet. This isn't Jesus just trying to show humility. There's something deeper going on. In fact, if you were reading, you can read in verse 6, we begin to see that something deeper is going on, and Simon Peter is trying to figure out what's going on and doesn't understand it. If you look with me again, verse 6, he says, He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now. But afterward, you will understand. And then he says, Lord, not my er, pardon me, verse 8, Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet, Jesus. If I do not w- wash your feet, you have no share with me. This is our second point. Christ loves his own. See his humility. Share in his cleansing. Share in in his cleansing. Jesus isn't just giving a foot washing. Jesus is doing something greater. There's a picture going on. This is, this is really an illustration of what Jesus does and what he's doing. And in classic Simon Peter fashion, he doesn't understand what's going on. In fact, there's other instances in which we've seen Simon Peter Uh, raise his voice and raise his objection. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus uh, says that one day he's going to be suffering uh, at the hands of men. And uh, Simon Peter, he speaks up, Lord, far be it from you. And Simon Peter, again, he does this. He says, he, he comes to Simon Peter, he says, Lord, do you wash my feet? Lord, of everyone in this room, you are the last person to be washing feet. And Jesus says, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Jesus 
what is happening in this room as he's washing these men's feet is happening to, to point, uh, point ahead to help us understand what's about to happen the next day. That what is happening can't be understood unless we look ahead. We look ahead to the next day. In fact, how do we know that Jesus is talking about something more? He's not talking about just clean feet, but cleansing people of their sins. We know this because later on in the passage, it says that one of them isn't clean. Jesus washed every man's foot in that room. But there was a man in that room that was not clean. Did you see that verse 9? It says, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That is why he said, not all of you are clean. We need to ask ourselves, The question this morning, have we been cleansed by the blood of Christ? Have we experienced the cleansing and the forgiveness of sins of Jesus? Do we share in his cleansing? This wasn't just an object lesson in humility. This was to display and show the love that Christ has for his own. And yes, love uh, is accompanied by and holds hands with humility, but it's so much more than that with God. That the love that Christ had for him was, or has for his own was to come and to cleanse sinners of their sins. And then we see a last thing. We see a final thing. Verse 12, Jesus, he begins to change gears, if it were. He begins to shift from what he's done to now the response that his disciples should have in light of what he's done. It says, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher And Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you If you do them, Christ loves his own, see his humility, share in his cleansing, serve following his example. Serve following his example. As Jesus finishes washing his disciples' feet, he assumes his place and he begins to explain to them what he just did. He begins to explain in light of what he's done He wants them to understand that just as much as he loves them, his disciples ought to love each other the same. 
And the key to this transformation, the key to being people that love one another is this. Look in verse 12. He assumes his place and he says this. Do you understand what I have done to you? Do you understand what I have done to you? If we are going to be a church that loves one another, that serves one another, we need to, not by willpower or by force or by our own effort, where does that transformation and love for other people come from? It comes from understanding what Christ has done for us. Do we understand the magnitude in which a holy, perfect, and righteous God would leave heaven and would come down to earth and put on flesh, live among sinners, and that he would be as one who serves among sinners, that he would go to the cross and he would die on the cross for your sins. And once we begin to grasp that and wrap our heads around that, that is when we will be able to do likewise. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am if I, then your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done. In Luke chapter 6, verse 30, uh, Jesus teaches what is called the golden rule. Right? The golden rule. I'm sure many of us have heard it. It's, uh, it's really, as you wish uh, that others would do to you, you would Uh, treat others that way as well. That we would uh, love others as we would want to be loved. Or we would love our neighbors as ourselves. And here in this upper room, we learn that yes, we are to treat others and love others as we'd like to be treated and like to be loved, but that there's even a greater model as we serve. There's a greater uh, motivation as we serve. That as we serve in the church and as we live our lives, it's not, I'm going to treat that person how I would like to be treated. I'm going to love that person as I would like to be loved. What Jesus is getting at, verse 14, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. That the standard in which we are to serve amongst ourselves isn't how we'd like to be treated, but how Jesus has treated us. Setting aside all his dignity, taking the form of a servant, serving one another. Many years later, Simon Peter would uh, write a letter, 1 Peter, to uh, many of the Christians scattered across the Roman Empire. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, he, he says this. He says, clothe yourselves, all of you, in all humility toward one another. The verb for clothe is to picture a slave tying a towel around its waist. That if we are going to serve and love one another faithfully, it requires humility. It requires us being willing to do uh, to others what Christ has done to us. And yet there is a crisis in the church today We are a consumer generation. In fact, the the, the phrase goes, the 80-20 rule in church, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. 
So many of us fail to serve. And I think we fail to serve. And I don't say this to guilt you, but I I think we fail to serve because we fail to sit uh, with a text like this and to meditate upon the gospel and how Christ has served us. When you begin to grasp what Christ has done for you, how can you not get out of your seat and want to serve other people? You don't have to worry about yourself anymore. You don't have to worry about uh, all the things and, and cares for yourself anymore because you know that in Jesus Christ they are provided for. There is a crisis of servicelessness. Some of us, we think we're too busy. Some of us, we think we're too young. Some of us, we think we're too old. Some of us, we're, we're so consumed with our work. Some of us, we think we're not gifted enough. Some of us think that's not our gifting to serve there or to serve there. We fail. We fail to serve as Christ has called us to. Some of us, we don't want to serve in the children's ministry. Why would I want to serve with with kids? They're loud. They don't listen. Jesus would. Some of us, we don't want to serve behind the scenes. Jesus is calling us to this church. God forgive us. Would we be a people that serve? And to, to look at verse 17, Jesus, he says this. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. We don't just disobey disobey the Lord in not serving and not loving one another. We miss out on blessing. We miss out on the blessing that comes from being obedient to Christ. That the the opportunities to serve one another formally in, in various ministries, but also informally, we're missing out on the blessing that comes from that. Do we understand these things? Do we understand what Christ has done for us? Some of us, we even have in our hearts, why would I want to serve that person? They haven't treated me well. In this room this evening, there was a disciple there that in, within hours would leave to betray Christ And Christ that evening kneels down and washes the feet of this man. The very heel that was going to be lifted up to crush him, Christ washed that heel that evening. Would we be a church like this? Would we be a church that is willing to set aside our dignity, to set aside our pride, to set aside our excuses, to rise up and to strap the towel on, to get dirty, to love one another, and to serve not how we'd like to be served, but to serve like Jesus served us. That as we close, we can know perfectly and clearly that Jesus loves his own. He loves you. He has done everything he could for you. He loves you to the uttermost, to the end. And Jesus wants those whom he loves to do likewise. To love those that he loves. Would we 
be a church like that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your holy word. And Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who took upon himself the form of a servant, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Lord, we thank you for the love that Christ has for us. And Lord, not just shown in in words, but, but in action, that the holy God would be willing to humble himself that he would be willing to to serve sinners, undeserving. Lord, would we be people that would be moved to worship you? Lord, would we be people that would share in your cleansing? If, If we haven't, if that's not us, if we have not received the cleansing of sin from Jesus Christ this morning, that we would if we are inactive and unmoved to serve, Lord, would you stir us to do as you have done? Lord, we ask and pray now that that we would be faithful in what you have called us to. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.